Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-20s. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink. Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it. All right. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to The Morning Crew. Um, It's been a minute. And I know, I feel like I always think of the Lizzo song right after I say that. But, I had the same thought. I'm glad you said that. Honestly, me too. Yeah. Um, but very exciting episode ahead. There was actually one thing I wanted to bring up before we get into it, though, is yesterday, uh, for anyone that knows this, uh, Ben Scully passed away, who was a huge sports baseball broadcaster, um, especially here in LA for the Dodgers, the longest broadcaster, I think, in history. Um, So very kind of like big person in sports, in baseball. And I was texting Kelsey about this since we are both huge baseball fans. And she was kind of checking in on me. And I think for me, like celebrity, celebrity passings aren't as like a big of a deal because we've lost such closer people in our circle that like that isn't really impactful but I know that like sports people it can be a very big topic and a very big I don't know something to kind of dwell on and reflect on the only thing I wanted to kind of say is that I felt like there was some sort of connective tissue with my dad and baseball and like having him pass away there was some sort of like oh, maybe like that was somebody that he and I knew together, did things kind of together that somebody like him and I both know. And there's something around that of like, oh, we both knew this person. And I think somebody who lost my dad at such a young age, I find it really meaningful to figure out who knew him or even if it's a celebrity, he knew about them or was like, I don't know, really like, admired certain athletes and things like that so it's always kind of like a oh that was somebody like he liked and that was somebody he enjoyed and stuff so I just thought it was interesting how that was kind of a I thought that popped into my head when I heard about it first and and even to the point of like I was looking for his bobblehead because I have one at home and I couldn't find it and I was going crazy and I was spiraling and I think it was my way of like dealing with like, no, I can't possibly not have this item that's kind of connects me to my dad in a sense, even though like we weren't at the game together that I got it at or anything like that. It was just the symbolism of it all. So I thought that was interesting. Definitely. And I'm glad we were, we were texting about it. Yeah. I instantly thought of you when I saw the news of Vin's passing and how the whole spiraling over an object that maybe feels silly, I feel like is relatable where you just like think of something and you start obsessing over it and then you can't find it. And when it's connected to the person you lost, um, it starts weighing on you and you can just go deeper and deeper. And I think there is a lot to be said about it's something that you did connect with your dad with. And, you know, Vin's been around from, Jackie Robinson to Clayton Kershaw. So he's really been around for forever and is so iconic and beloved. And his voice is very comforting. And with baseball season, that's so many games you're listening to him and following him. So at least how I feel about the Giants broadcasters, it feels like they're almost an extended part of family. So like you said, when you have lost someone close to you, it doesn't hit you as hard in that way. But it's like, the connection with baseball, the connection of your dad knowing baseball and just calling it out that it's relatable to have that spiral moment. And I still believe you will find the bobblehead and it's in your house somewhere. Perfect. Um, It's interesting that you bring that up, Kath, because we haven't touched on this before, even in the group chat, but I feel, and I looked it up because I had to be sure. I feel like in the last month I have gotten so many, like not even like celebrity celebrities, but like old timers who have like been in the game, like nothing tragic, but and I did, I looked it up. So in the last month, there have been 11 well-known people who have passed away. And in June, there were six just for like comparison of like how often. And I mean, it's like Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek and um, Bill Russell with the Celtics, but it's just kind of crazy. Cause I feel like every time I get on my like little Apple news feed or whatever is like, so-and-so passed away. And like I said, I don't really, I'm not really familiar with much of the work. And I didn't even really realize that there was a connection, um, 
with either one of you. And I, I don't even know that I necessarily saw the Vince Scully thing. So um, I, my apologies for not reaching out or talking about it. I didn't even know until we started talking about it now. But it's really interesting to me that I feel like lately, and they all seem to be like natural and just like older ages and things, but it's still just like, I feel like, and maybe again, we always have the conversation like when we watch Top Gun, is it just because we talk about this all the time? But I feel like definitely like the numbers of saying like 11 to six in a month is kind of crazy. Um, but I feel like that's that's happening a lot lately. So um, I'm sorry that that had happened. Yeah. And I'm glad you guys were able to like experience yeah. that and kind of pull some something back. And even if it's kind of hard to have a connection with your dad in that way, it's kind of nice and unexpected. Yeah, no, totally appreciate it. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of get that out there because I feel like maybe some people can relate to that. But in kind of switching gears, we have a very special guest today um, who is a friend of mine. And we thought it would be very important to showcase a male's point of view of grief and kind of their journey with it because we always want diversity and of opinions and feelings and thoughts. And so I think it's very important to have that. So I have my friend Shane here, who I know through a mutual high school friend. His One of his best friends is my best friend's sister. So it's kind of like this, the older crew and the younger crew are friends. Um, I've known him for like, I don't know, 15 years almost. a long time. Yeah, since we were kids. Um, but yes, I kind of thought that he, he's been super kind of open recently about his experience and everything. And obviously I'll let him speak to that, but I thought it would be important to kind of get his opinions and thoughts and just everything with it. So with that, hi Shane, we can hand it over to Shane. <laughs> hi Shane, Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being on here. Yeah. We're very happy to have you. Kelsey and I gave a, a predecessor that we have had very busy work weeks, but we're going to say we're being good hosts and just very interested in everything that we have to know about you. So uh, we're definitely going to hear all about your grief journey, your family. You're just kind of really like pull ups in general, but I'm really glad that you're on. So welcome. It's nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Um, so give us like the spiel, where you're from, okay. what your interests are. It was like your elevator pitch. Yes. Yeah, elevator yeah, yeah. Pitch. Let's look right. at the Shane like elevator this, pitch. Like my hinge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That would be our third graphic for this episode. Shane's hinge pick profile. What's your sign? Right. Um, well, my name's Shane Wilson. Um, I'm from Los Angeles, California, Topanga, to be specific. Uh, I'm 30 years old. Um, I have... You know, I'm a big family man. I love to go to the beach, love sports, played football in college um, at the U of A, Bear Down. Um, I'm, you know, I come from a Mexican mother and a Dominican uh, father, both immigrants that came to this country and did well for themselves. You know, uh, they were married all the way up until uh, my father passed away, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically me. Do you have siblings? Yeah. Yes, I do. I have five siblings. Uh, or excuse me. I have four siblings. I'm one, <laughs> one of five. I'm one of five. I'm one of yes, five. Yes. I'm the middle. I have two older sisters, and there's myself, and then there's my little sister and my little brother. Um, I think my dad smoked a lot of weed because all of our names start with S H A. There's uh, Charmaine, Shalimar, Shane, Shanley, and Sean. Um, and yeah, my mom calls us by our number sometimes when she can't figure out which side to stay. So, yeah. Wow, not just the same first letter because I have that with all K's, but you have the first three yeah. letters are the same. That's yeah. commitment to family yeah. unity and maybe weed, but it that's really amazing. Is. You've been outdone, Kels. <laughs> I've been outdone. I, I, I tip my hat to you. That is impressive. Um, I would love to hear how your family dynamic kind of was growing up, like your relationship with your parents and your siblings, the type of stuff you guys did. Cool. Yeah. So growing up, I mean, like, uh, we're all really tight. There's a one year gap between, uh, my, my older sisters and a one year gap between like me and my, my old, the one that's a year older. And then there's a two year gap between me and my little sister and a two year gap between her and my little brother. So we're all really pretty close in age. Grew up in a very Latino, uh, household. Like I want to say it was super traditional Latino, but <clears throat> pretty traditional. Um, did everything together. Uh, literally everything went on like camping trips together would travel together um you know have breakfast and dinner together and everything and 
Um, we were always very close. Uh, I went, <clears throat> me and my, me and my little brother went to a different high school than my sisters did. Um, that's just because, uh, my mom went, went and worked at a different school district. So we switched over. Um, but, uh, yeah, we literally were are like this. Um, we have a family group chat that literally is going off right now. And <laughs> all we do is talk shit to each other and make fun of each other. And like, that's the one thing about my family is like, we're, we're that type of family we love so much. And we have such like such a opening home and welcoming home that like if you are invited into our family, just know you're someone's going to shoot on you and make fun of you. But you better, you know, stand up and shoot back <laughs> and just, you know, be able to have some humility. So that's how we are. And then what kind of like, OK, so you grew up very close with your family, obviously. Um what age did you lose your dad? So I was uh, I was 23 years old when my dad passed away. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I can honestly just tell you guys a story. It was uh, kind of traumatizing, which is also really weird that like Morgan and Dylan. So I'll tell you. Yeah. <clears throat> I lost my um, I lost my father in a car accident. What happened was at least this was this was my my point of view of the story. I was working out at the Equinox gym that my best friend Morgan, her best friend Dylan's older sister, um, used to work out at. And right after I finished working out, um, I used to have like an old Cadillac DeVille and I was leaving the gym and some weird thing happened where there was like a prey mantis on my windshield. And as I'm like driving off, like this prey mantis just was like holding on for dear life. And something inside me told me to pull over grabbed the prey mantis and put it on the ground and just like let it go right and i i did i pulled over and <clears throat> put it on the ground let it go and as it was like running into the bushes it completely stopped turned around ran back towards me and then just looked up at me and then it turned around ran back and i ended up having like this weird moment like i kind of like felt like something had happened like i don't know if i like like i just felt this energy right and anyways so I leave and I'm headed towards Morgan's house because um, we were supposed to, you know, hang out. And so I get to her house. We're having a good time doing the same stuff we always do at the Marshandas. Um, just having like great conversations. She's like, she's my best friend, my sister. Just talking about life. I, was, I told her the whole story about this prey mantis. We were like, oh my God, this, this must mean something. And then uh, I ended up leaving. I got home like around like 10 o'clock at night. Um, when I got home, I would go into my into my uh, bedroom and uh, my mom comes into my bedroom and she just asked if I've spoken to my dad today. And I was like, I, I talked to him earlier. Why? What's up? She was like, I haven't talked to him uh, since seven. Could you do me a favor and go to his his shop? My father had like a uh, he owned a construction company and he had like a, a shop over in, in the valley where he you know had his construction business and also would work on cars. And then he had another side business in there. And uh, so I was like, yeah, mom, like. I'll go just uh, kind of take a shower first. And she's like, yeah, take your time. And uh, she left. And I kind of had this like feeling of, all right, why is, you know, my mom asking me this? My mom, and my dad are super tight. They're very communicative. So instead of taking a shower, I got up. My little brother was passed out on the couch. So I walk over to him and uh, I go, hey, uh, I wake him up. I'm like, hey, can you come with me to the shop? Mom saying she hasn't heard from dad. And I kind of just don't want to go by myself. I don't know what's going on. Um, you want to ride with me? And at the time, Sean was only 19 years old. So, uh, I walk outside <clears throat> or, <clears throat> excuse me, my little brother goes and I'm gonna put some shoes on. So I go and I walk outside and as I walked outside, I saw that there was three police cars pulled into our driveway and there was a white Mercedes SUV, um, with like California exempt plates. And there was police walking up. There's about like six of them walking up to the house. And, um, fortunately and unfortunately it wasn't our fault, but we've, had some issues with the police in the past um, when I was younger. And so immediately I, I closed the front door. I tell my little brother to lock it and I put my hands up thinking that something happened. And at that point is when um, the first officer, he raised his hands and he was like, hey, um, there was an accident. We need to speak to the lady of the house. And immediately my heart started kind of like racing and I started getting, you know, just freaking out. My mom just asked me to check on my dad. I'm just getting told by police that there was an accident. Um, and they need to talk to the lady of the house. And so I kind of start asking questions, asking questions. Mind you, I'm, I'm holding the front door closed because I don't want my little brother to open it or anyone open it because I have no idea what the hell's going on. And um, that's when they finally told me that uh, that my father died in a car accident. And uh, 
I will, will never forget this. I turned around, I opened the door, my mom, my little brother are there. And like, without even thinking, I just tell him like, I just tell him dad's, dad's dead. Just like that. And, uh, I lost it. I, I started crying. I felt so much anger. Um, I was, I was pissed. That's like the best way. Like I was hurt, like more pain than I ever felt in my life, but it was more so I was just so upset, so mad. And, um, my mom, the strongest woman I've ever met in my life. She's from Mexico, came over here when she was 17 or 18 years old. Literally, she just found out she lost the love of her life. I'm sure she probably knew because she hasn't talked to him for like a couple hours and she probably had that gut motherly instinct. And as I'm crying, I'm freaking out. My mom comes up to me and she has tears rushing down her face. And she's like, Mijo, I love you, but you need to call the boys at the shop because I have no idea what's going on. And they need to know that your father passed away. And so I kind of just, you know, got myself back together. I called my my uncle, Freddie, who is one of my dad's business partners, told him that uh, my dad passed away. And then I had to proceed to go and call my, my two older sisters, who one was living in San Diego. The one, other one was living in uh, Santa Monica at the time. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was an experience that I wish upon nobody Uh and then more so also having to be the person to tell my whole family that we just lost the most amazing human being that any of us ever knew um, was it's it fucking sucked. <laughs> Excuse my language, but it fucking sucked. Um, but, yeah, we found out that what happened was um, my dad, we used to rebuild cars all the time and we took a Ford Ranger and uh, a 1991 Ford Ranger, and we rebuilt it into what we call like a Baja, a Baja buggy truck. Because um, my dad, we all used to dirt bike. He used to go down to Mexico and and just do all these crazy trails. Like there's something called the Baja 1000, Baja 500. My dad like really was into all of those things. And um, so a truck that we all kind of helped build, like myself, my brother, my friends, like our whole little community. Um, my dad was driving it on dirt Maholin, which is pretty close. It's about like a mile and a half away from my house him and his best friend were in the car and they're driving it and uh the car accidentally hit an or as they're driving it the car had an embankment and it flipped over and it rolled and it ejected my dad out of the car and the car landed on him and he died instantly um but as bad as it sounds there's like some peace in it because uh i remember speaking to my dad that morning i had to wake him up that morning at like Four, or excuse me, 5.30 a.m. because he had to go do something. And he told me, he was like, today's going to be an amazing day. I know it. And I'll never forget those words. And then come to find out my dad, uh, he bought a boat that day. He put a down payment on like a fishing boat. And then he also uh, booked one of the largest like construction jobs of the year that he had. And then he just, he took the truck out for like the first time, actually like, you know, to drive it around and have some fun with it. And then on top of it, he was smoking a joint <laughs> like my dad always did. Um, when uh when he passed away and you know that's like something that my my family and i we kind of hold dear because he was so happy that day and uh if i were to go that's how i want to go i want to go on like the happiest of note um but i wish that asshole just wore his seatbelt <laughs> oh my god but yeah that's what happened Oh my gosh, Shane. Well, first of all, thank you so much for telling us that full story and all of the the insane pieces that you had to go through at a younger age. But like, I just like, I, I, I just, I'm t- I was taking it all in. I was speechless. I had tears in my eyes. Like, oh my God. Um, I've got a bunch of questions and I'm going to not just like take over and like give you all of them. But um, what was, and you don't have to, again, if you, there's anything you don't want to answer, just don't, you don't have to. But what was the time between like the accident and like either like when your like mom had told you to go or when you had found out, like how long did you, was, were you guys unsure what was going on? So it, that was, that's like kind of like crazy part. So my dad's accident was at seven, around 744, 7.45 uh, p.m. And my mom said the last time he talked to her was at 7 p.m. My mom said the last time he talked to him was at 7 p.m. And she said that he was so happy. Like he had a surprise he had to tell me and everything. And uh, and <clears throat> so the irony of like like a mother's instinct, they just know. And my parents were together ever since they were 17 years old. So like she knew. Um, but the accident happened at 745. We didn't find out until the police showed up at 1105 p.m. Uh, 
we didn't find out for so long because they had to do an internal investigation because my dad was with his best friend in the car. And so they didn't know if there was like, and there was, there was weed involved. There was cannabis involved. This was back in 2015 where cannabis was still kind of illegal. So they didn't know if it was negligence or anything like that. Um, and that's why they took so long to let us know. Um, but my, my family and I, his name was John Grant, rest in peace. He unfortunately passed away a year after my father, but that was my dad's best, best, best friend. Like they were like this and like they did everything together, literally everything together. They were, they were 53 year old men that still like acted like children. Um, so like when the police came to the house and they talked to my mom about like the, the investigation stuff immediately, we're like, we're not, we don't want to investigate John. That's his best friend. He would never do anything to put my dad in a, a negative situation. So yeah, there was a about like a four hour gap until we found out that my my dad had passed. And then there was home. It was your mom, you, and your two, your little sister, and your little brother. Yeah, so it was my my mom, my little sister, my little brother, and my my grandma, my uh, my dad's mom. She grew up with us my whole life. Uh, so yeah, and she was actually a she was a doctor. She opened up quite a few uh, like help open up a few medical centers out here in in LA. Um, so she actually went to go see the body because, you know, she's seen plenty of bodies in her life and she wanted to see her son for the last time. And the one thing my grandma always says is that uh, it was as if like he like it was meant for him to have the car lay on him the way it did, because uh, he literally just got smashed from from basically his upper chest down. His whole face was completely intact. Uh, There's no issues or anything. And my grandma was basically able to confirm that, you know, it was it was quick and he didn't suffer. So which is good to know. Okay, I have one more follow up about the event before we get into the grief of it. But I have to ask you this because I something I've touched on on the podcast and I talk about often is I told my grandma that my grandpa had passed away. And that was like, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. How do you tell your grandma that her son passed away? Like I cannot I, I replay me telling my grandma about my grandpa and they didn't even have a great relationship their entire lives. Like, yeah. how do you do that? I'll be honest. Like when I, when I got told, I like blacked out and like yeah. looking back, I wish I would have handled it differently. Um, but I, I got told and it was like, as if like, it's weird to say this, but like, I just had everything in me just taken out and I just like went numb. And I remember I literally just opened the door and I just was like, you guys, dad's dead and I remember saying it just like that and um my little brother at the time uh it was like a couple weeks before he just told my mom and my dad and sat them down saying that he didn't want to go to college and he's such a bright individual like state mathematician of the year in high school like just such a bright bright kid and he was like I just don't want to go to college and that was like the one thing my parents wanted for all of us was for all of us to go to college and Sean was like nope I don't want to go and I remember Sean coming to me and going like Shane, I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know who to follow or who to ask questions to. Like, I don't know. And I remember just giving him a hug and telling him as older brother, like, I got you. I got you. And then Shanley, the same thing. I, like, gave her a hug, told her I got you. And then, um, in all honesty, if it wasn't for my mom and my grandmother being such strong, strong individuals, um, I think I would have lost even more. I was, I was, when I said I was so upset and so mad, <clears throat> I was beating the shit out of the hood of the car in our driveway. My knuckles were all bloody and stuff. I had two police officers having to, to grab me because I was just so angry. I was like, ah, there's no way this happened. Like, you never expect that something so significant and your life is going to change in the blink of the eye. And, um, yeah, it, it sucked. It sucked. Calling my sisters. Um, it's kind of crazy. My sister Shalomar, like, not too long ago, actually texted me. It's been almost seven years. It'll be seven years, September 30, um, um, in September, um, September 30th. And my sister, a couple months ago, told me how she's like, she's so happy she has me as a brother and how strong I was to be able to call her and have to give her that news. And it's funny because, like, I don't even think of myself as being strong for calling him that news. I literally, I called and, like, had no emotion because it was just all sucked out of me. I was like, Dad's dead, you guys. I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Like, I have no idea what to do and I don't know what to say. And there's nothing I can say to make this better. But yeah, it sucked. It, it sucked. Yeah. Um, I also just want to echo what Matt said about just thank you for sharing and 
being so open and honest. Um, I noted right when you started talking about it, you said, actually, I'll just tell you the whole thing. It was, it was really traumatic. And you used the word trauma or traumatic and going through it all, it very clearly was, but this was a handful of years ago. So you're an early twenties male. And like you said, there was a lot of anger associated with it. I'm curious if you went to therapy of any kind or like what you use, cause you're speaking about it so eloquently now to be able to, to process it all and to have that vocabulary to label it as that. Yeah. Um, I tried, um, my little brother actually, uh, he went into therapy first, uh, and like I would go and sit in with some sessions. Um, and I think this was just me being young and naive and, and at the time I really didn't believe in therapy. Uh, it was, it was hard for me to talk to somebody who didn't really understand that type of loss. Um, but even more so, um, the, the after effects of that loss, um, being, being the oldest male in a Latino household, um, I definitely had to assume certain roles, uh, and it, it wasn't forced upon me or anything like that, but it was, it was just one of those things where like, you know, I, I, um, I made a promise to my father, which was so weird, uh, but about like a couple of days, about two days before he passed, because he, he got back from a, an amazing vacation with my mom to celebrate her birthday and their, and their honeymoon. Um, they went to Vegas and he got, they got back on like a Monday. My dad passed away on a Wednesday. And on Monday we were at the shop cause I had, my car was messing up. So we were working on the car and on the way home, he, uh, he, I was texting and we were in the car and he's like, we stopped at a, a stop sign and he's like, Hey, I got to ask you a question. I was like, what's up, man? And he's like, like, you love me, right? You love your family, right? I was like, yeah. And he's like, if anything were to happen to you, would you take care of the fam? Like, will you take care of him? And I was like, of course, dad. And I'm texting, not even looking at him. And he's like, hey, look me in the eye. And I'm like, I'm like, what? And he, he like, I just kept texting. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, I need you to be honest with me. Like, I'm asking you as my oldest son. Like, you're my firstborn son. Will you take care of the family? If anything were to ever happen to you, I need to know this. And I'm like, yeah, dad. And just nonchalant, like, yeah, dad. And he smacked, my dad had these huge hands and he smacked the shit out of my chest and I dropped my phone. And he's like, hey, I love you. And I need you to look me in the eye right now, man to man, and tell me that if anything were to happen, you promise me you will take care of this family. And I'm not saying with money or anything, with love. That's all you have to do is give them as much love as possible. And um, that's kind of, that's how my, my dad raised my brothers and sisters and I. It wasn't, we weren't the richest family. We didn't have all the money in the world. We struggled quite a bit, but we were so wealthy in love. And my dad used to have this saying, he would put his hands up and he would say, my, my fingers represent my five kids and far apart with no love. They're just a slap and they can't do anything. But together with love, they can break through anything. And that was like the one thing he said, he's like, I need you to keep us like this. If anything were to happen, keep us like this. And sure enough, it was like one of those things, like I look back and I'm like, did you, did you like know this was going to happen? Like, did you expect something was going to happen? Did you ask me this question? And like, um, yeah. So basically assuming, assuming that role, because I wanted to, um, I made a promise to my father and you know, that was, a uh, that was the last, the last like real promise I, 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 I gave to him. And, you know, I was raised to be a man of my word and that's like, the one, the one promise, if there's any in my life that I, I will never break. And, and I think I've been doing a good job uh, about it now, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I tried the therapy route, went to a couple sessions, sessions. It was, it was, it just didn't work for me. Um, I definitely took my aggression, my anger out in ways I shouldn't have. Uh, I, I definitely changed for a while. I got I, I smoked weed growing, like not growing up, but when, you know, I was in college a little bit and uh, when I got back home, but after my dad passed away, I really started smoking weed. And um, my dad's side business was he had a cannabis cultivation um, and it wasn't licensed at the time. So, you know, we were doing unlicensed gray market stuff. We were trying to get our license but back then. It was really hard. And, uh, you know, I basically was doing things I shouldn't have been doing, putting myself in situations I shouldn't have been putting myself in just in order to provide for my family the way I know I needed to, uh, monetary wise. And, uh, you know, I definitely became a person that would have to put a mask on and pretend like everything was okay. Uh, when truthfully deep down inside, I was 
dying. Like it sucked. Life, life sucked for the first like, and honestly, for the first like five years, for the first five years. But yeah. First of all, thank you for being so open and honest about it because I feel like that is really admirable, and I feel like other people wouldn't be as honest about you know, wearing a mask and how shitty it was and for how, for how long too. But I think, um, I think there's something interesting about being like the man of the house. And then especially like in Latino or in Latina culture, like, um, that's something that I, I don't know, that is just super, I always think about that. Like, I mean, in my house, there, there is no man, man of the yeah. house. It's just me and my mom. But I always think about like that role and there's so much pressure I feel like and historically has been so much pressure um just in general so yeah. I just wanted to kind of say I guess this isn't really a question just more of a comment of just like I think you're doing a fantastic job Thanks. and I'm sure all of your siblings would say the same um and I think everyone around you in terms of friends wise would also say the same thank you I yeah uh, I hope so <laughs> <laughs> um okay I want to say I the 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 blackout comment you said is is really um interesting. It's that's actually why and Kath is shaking her head because that's why when the very first thing I even said to her as to why I was even interested in starting this was because the first time I I felt grief was when um something had happened to my grandfather and it was not necessarily expected. And I just remember like I blacked out for like a week and I still to this day cannot tell you. I mean it was in 2016 and I still cannot tell you. Like and it just scared the shit out of me. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. It's not even like not we don't compare the grief, but like it's not even like it's nothing that's crazy. Like I was just like I remember just like I got sick and I just don't remember anything after I got sick until like a week later when I went back to work. So um, that's something I'm very familiar with. And it's actually a big reason as to why uh, I, I wanted to join this. Um, but I am curious, Kath and um, also Shane, whenever. So Kathy, obviously, when that had happened, your dad had already passed away. Did you feel or think or was was your was one of your instincts to be able to be able to relate to Shane whenever you found out that that had happened? This is kind of funny because I don't yeah. think Shane like really knows about this. <laughs> but um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be weird. I just mean like I don't know. No, no, in a good way, in a good way. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely had heard that that had happened, obviously through our mutual friends that we just talked about earlier, and I. I think also in general, like my natural instinct when I hear about something like that is like, oh, I want to let let them know that I'm a resource and I'm here and I'm there. But I've also been in situations where other people are so not ready to talk about it, you know, like so early on. So I always come from the place of like, if I'm kind of like two degrees away or whatever many degrees away, I'm kind of telling that person like, hey, can you let them know like that I am here if they would like to talk and would want to. Like I'm super happy to be a resource. I mean, now I have a podcast so they can truly just like tell them, like link them the podcast if they would like or talk to me more about it even more so. But I think in the past, it's always been kind of like, oh, um, I, I just feel uncomfortable kind of saying that to them and so I think it just is feels better from it coming from like their first degree friend or whatever um so all to say I definitely knew about it I had I think I told Dylan and Morgan about like you know if you ever need to talk to somebody like I'm always here I've obviously gone through something traumatic like that as well there are experiences I cannot relate to in a certain sense but there are also a lot that I there's also a lot that I can um and so that's kind of how I approached it but I don't think I actually approached him about it until like a couple weeks ago literally yeah. like yeah very recently and that's how like even I and all to say like even as somebody who's gone through it I still get the like like um, very nervous feelings, bringing it up to somebody else. And, and I even have a podcast on it. So like, I know how hard it is like to bring it up to people. And so I definitely like, I don't ignore that. And I acknowledge that with other people that maybe haven't gone through loss. Like I can't imagine how uncomfortable they feel trying to talk to somebody that has. Um, but yeah, it took a lot for me to even like broach the subject. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's so that's such an interesting point. And the, it, because it's so vulnerable, you're asking somebody about like truly the worst thing that's ever happened to them and hopefully ever will happen to them. 
to try to be like, Hey, I'm there. And like you said, especially when there's a couple degrees of separation and you maybe don't talk about deep things in that way, but you do, it is something that can bridge you together. Um, but Shane, I'm curious. It's, and it's been a few years. Um, when, well, I guess I'll ask it this way. How often have you been able to confide in people or when you talk about it? And have you noticed a difference talking about it to males in your life, whether it's family or friends versus females? Like you got to address the stereotypes that women talk about their feelings more and better and like to talk so much and men like to be tough and don't share things and don't get emotional. And I'm curious if those stereotypes have held up for you or if you found that it's not that black and white. Um, for me, at least it, it wasn't so black and white. I, I grew up in a very female dominant home. It was just myself, my dad, my little brother. And then we had my grandma, my three sisters and my mom. And, um, you know, like, yeah, I did in the beginning. I wanted to be this macho man and stuff like even still now it's, it, it's hard for me to cry and be like very vulnerable in front of my family. But, you know, I'm definitely better than I was, uh, I remember like a month after it happened, people would come stop by the house and be like, Shane, you're being so strong. Like, I can't believe you're not crying and stuff. And it was like, that's what you see. Uh, Cause sure enough, when I'm by myself, like in the car, uh, I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out. Um, whether it's a song or like, you know, the, his scent or, or just kind of like, like something I've done with him or seen like, yeah, I was, I would, I would break. I broke, I broke, probably at least a couple times a week. Certain women, it was it was easy. Uh, just because like, if you're a woman in my life, you're either my best friend or you're my family or you're like my significant other. Um, and so that way it was a lot easier to confine in them in like, in small ways. Like I never, it took me about until like two years ago where I can actually feel comfortable telling a story and speaking so happily of my dad and when people when people would be like I'm so sorry for your loss I'm like no it's okay like like it was meant to be you know like certain things just are meant to happen in life and you cannot control them um but then when it came to guys like yeah I definitely was a little bit more macho but a lot of the guys around me that I was able to talk to were who I consider like my brothers my best friends and and they were um they were so influenced by my dad uh my dad was it's funny because like he wasn't famous at all, but I used, I like to always say like my dad was famous in the valley. Um, <laughs> he had over like almost fifteen hundred people show up to his service, and he was just like a, a normal average Joe guy. But he, my dad was the guy that like he would always put his hand out. Um, he would always help people and always would be giving. And like on top of that, my my dad not only was he con- a general contractor and help he can fix anyone's house or anything. Um, he also was a, a cannabis grower and grew some of the most amazing flower in the state of California that everyone loved. And, and it wasn't like he was charging people for it. He'd be like, here, man, have some weed. And it wasn't like he'd give him a little bit, he'd give him like a whole bag of weed. And people were like, dude, your dad is the most loving, giving person. He was the, still to this day, I would say the two happiest people I've ever met in my life were my dad and my little brother. Those two, like they walk into a room, the hug, the smile they have, the hugs they give, the energy, like they were just such happy people. So um, to answer the question, yeah, there was a little bit of a difference, but I was lucky enough to have such great people around me um, that it I didn't really feel that difference. Um, I will say, though, I definitely held that sh- that mask to my face and that and that wall, because um, in the first the first years, I pushed a lot of people away from me. Um, I pushed my my ex-girlfriend of seven years away from me. Like I pushed some of my best friends away from me. Um, whenever they would try to reach out. And it was just because I didn't want anyone around me while I was doing certain things that I was doing because I knew it just wasn't, it wasn't right. But it was things I had to do. I thought I had to do at the time in order to to be able to uh, provide for my family, which looking back, I'm like, yeah, I never needed to do those things. But I don't regret it. I learned a lot. Um, and it helped shape me into the man I am today. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, I'm interested. You were talking about the service. Did you notice either like at the service or when kind of when the heat of it all was going on that people were obviously we talk about the relationships with grief, right? It's like I it's weird for me to be sad whenever like my dad lost his dad and things like that. So did but did you notice like as far as siblings go, there's kind of even playing field 
so to speak, did you notice that people were like more concerned or about your sisters over you and your brother, or maybe just even you because you're the oldest? Or how did did you notice any kind of play out about that whenever you were dealing with those, or were you just so blacked out and dealing with like the grief of it that like it wasn't even a, a noticeable? Um, to me, I don't I don't really think there was a noticeable difference. Um, I remember because like I had to give the speech. Uh, at, at the service for like my family um one of those uh you're a man of household you give the speech type of things uh and like uh it's kind of funny because now whenever we have like a family dinner like and we do prayer like it, in the beginning it was always like shane you say the prayer because my dad used to always say the prayer but now like i'm at that place where i'm like nope <laughs> hey I've, you know I've I, believe, way too yeah, many times. I believe in equality for men and women so girls <laughs> like y'all gotta say it too um but yeah to answer your question i didn't really I didn't really see see that. Um, I do remember like the first the opening of my speech was and it was because I was in such awe. Um, my dad's service, we didn't we asked everybody to not wear black. We asked everyone to wear colors. Um, my dad didn't like the color black too much. And like he was the most colorful person. And like he always said, if I die, I don't want to see black. I want to be burned. And I want to be thrown into the ocean. And so we, we made sure we hit those wishes. And um, when I was up there, with my whole family, we're all holding our hands and I go to give the speech. I remember just looking at everybody and the, the, like, basically the array of people were there. I, there were, there were multi multi-millionaires, some of the richest people in the state of California to some of literally to homeless people that were there, um, to our best friends, my dad's childhood, best friends, like all of my, my brothers and sisters, best friends and like our extended family and everything. Um, you know, there was quite a few famous people that showed up uh, and it was just crazy. And I remember the first thing I said, I was like, I want everybody to look around this this uh, this room and realize that this is who my dad was. He was so cultured and it was it was crazy. It was like I said, it was the whole spectrum of of different individuals just there to pay respect for my dad and a lot of the people I'd never even met in my life. But the stories they had about my father, I'm like. All right, yeah, you knew my dad very well because he was doing things with you that, like, that's something he would do. And it was just, there was so much love, so much support. Um, it was awesome to see, like, all these people come together that just wanted to celebrate my dad. And, like, we were so blessed to have these people around us that, like, we didn't have to pay for a single thing for the service. We didn't have to pay for anything for burial for my dad or to get him cremated because, like, for those who don't know, it costs like seven to 10 grand to die out here in California, which is insane. Yeah. Um, so like we, we had so much support and it was, it was amazing. Um, it was beautiful. I remember, I remember that day being so almost like I felt like my dad was hugging all of us because it was like, he, yeah, he wasn't here and he left, but the community that he left behind that was there to say like, I got you guys, the Wilson family, we got you guys. And still to this day, it's been almost seven years. And like, I can go to, to Mark over at Buy Tires by Mark and he's giving me free tires just because he was my dad's best friend. I um, I currently work in the cannabis industry and like, and um, literally last week, I just started a, a new job going to different dispensaries and, and uh, retail services. And I'm seeing people that knew my dad for so long and they're just like, hey, where have you been? Oh my God, how's your family? And like, you know, they're just like, it's like my dad never left. He's still here, very present. And it's, it feels really good. Like that feels really good. Um, one, I think that's amazing and beautiful. And the community that your dad clearly created and like left behind. And I think it's so important to stay connected to that community. And I've already found comfort in my set, like, you know, staying close with my mom's friends and the people from my hometown and, and all of that. And hearing those stories that, like you said, you never knew, like it is one of the nicer things to do. I think it is one, I want to distinguish that. I think there is a difference a little bit when you lose somebody close to you, knowing it's coming versus it being a surprise and a car crash is a surprise where not that you can ever prepare, but you had no preparation. And then two, that it was, I don't know how soon the service was after he passed, but to speak in front of that amount of people, when you're saying you were harder and you weren't sharing as much, I think that's very commendable. How did you speak in front of all those people when it was so fresh and you were still processing it? I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
and honestly, I, I definitely give that strength to my mom. Um, I was holding her hand, and <laughs> it's crazy. I'm going to get a little, like, choked up here. Uh, I love that woman to death. That's, like, man. Um, but I remember I was, like, choking up, kind of like how I am now, but, like, I, I had tears coming down my eyes, and I was, like, actually, like, really choking up. I didn't know what to say. I was high beyond my life. Smoked a whole blunt oh right before. It was so high. Um, it was my dad's service. We used to smoke weed together all the time. So I was like, out of respect. Like, yeah. Shane, I love you. I just That I just, was who my father was. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to represent my dad the way I know how to represent him. And um, I, uh, I remember I was choking up my mom. Like, everyone's quiet and stuff. And my mom, I look at my mom, like, kind of with, like, these eyes of, like, I can't do this. And she squeezed my hand and she's like, Mijo, <laughs> so like, Mijo, you got this. All right. Your dad is here. You got this. And like, just like her. And she was squeezing my hand the whole time, tight as hell. And I was squeezing it back. And just knowing that she was right there. It's like, it's one of those things like, yeah, sure. I'm a big mama's boy. Like, I don't care what anyone says I am. <laughs> but like knowing that I had her like right by my side and she trusted me and she believed in me. And then I had all my siblings going like, Shane, yeah, like. You know, you represent dad right now. Um, it felt it it felt empowering. It felt good. And it also looking back, I wouldn't want it any other way. Like I was I don't remember what I said. Uh, there was like a recording and like people like I had like a weird random standing ovation. I still have no <laughs> idea what I said except for those first first like few words of like I want everyone to stand up and look around and see like see everyone in this room. And that is who my dad was. Um it felt really, really good. Um, it also was kind of funny because, like, I was obviously going through stuff. I completely shaved my head uh, the day before. Um, so, like, I looked completely different. People were looking at Did me Did you like, do that, like, on purpose? Like, you were like, oh, I'm going to vote. I literally was like, people. yeah, I literally was like, you know what? I had, like, I had, like, kind of, like, hair like this, right? And I literally was like, you know what? I'm just going to shave my head. Like, I want to go back oh to, like, I, I want to go back to, like, my old Shane where I used to have a shaved head and a lineup and everything. And, uh, and so it was funny. Like some people were like, you really, you just shaved your head yesterday. And I was like, yeah, I shaved my head yesterday. Um, but it, yeah, if that's not grief. I don't know. Yeah, like, was, oh, I had a Britney Spears moment. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Britney Spears moment. Um, but yeah, it was, it was literally, oh my God. Uh, literally. but it was, it was amazing. It, uh, I felt, I felt the love and like, I, um, there, there was something that day where, like, yeah, I was smoking my dad's weed and stuff. And my, my father always smelled, like, weed, motor oil, and, like, construction wood, right? He always had this, like, very distinct smell. My whole family, like, anyone that, like, used to be around my dad really knows this smell. And it was it was pretty awesome how I remember while I was walking up uh, to the service and stuff, smelling that smell and just going, like, all right, man, like, I, I know you're here. I know you're here. And um, still to this day, I like randomly I'll be at the beach or like, you know, be driving down the street. Windows will be fully rolled up and it'll smack me in the face. And it's like I take it as like because me and my dad, we, we love to play fight all the time. We have a, like slap box and everything. And it's, it's one of those things I say it slaps in the face. because It'll be like, I'm like, oh, my God, where where'd that go? Like, where's that from? Um, so I felt that and I felt I felt that security. I felt my my mom's strength. I felt my, my family's strength in it it definitely allowed me to to be vulnerable in front of all these people, which is kind of crazy because right after that day, I was like, nope, no emotions. On the level of vulnerability, we had a whole episode about it, and I have to ask because you mentioned Hinge. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. No, no, ask, ask, ask. <laughs> ask. I'm not going to fry, but we had a whole episode about it. Okay, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Do you – feel one do you bring it up on dates do you not do you have other people bring like like or like if you're like yeah like 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 kathy had said like like we talked about how like how much she would bring it out on a date like how long it would take do you know have you had a girl do that have you had like tell me tell me about that all right so this is really funny uh, i'm very new to the dating app world i i downloaded hinge for the first time like the end of june early oh my july so i've only been on a month yeah, I've uh, only gone on, on two. I went on my second date ever from a dating app yesterday. Oh uh, so, fresh. yeah, very, very fresh. Fresh. I'm like fresh, <laughs> fresh off the bat with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about it. 
uh, if I feel comfortable, I'll let them know. I won't tell them the whole story and anything yeah. like that, but I'll let them know, like, because when people ask me what I do, I tell them I work in the cannabis industry. They ask how I got into the industry. I tell them, well, my father was in the industry prior to I was, and after he passed away, I, I you know, took over the family business. Um, so that's kind of how I, like, I, I, like, segue it in. But, you know, I don't, I try not to really talk too much about it unless, like, it's someone that, like, I actually have some sort of relationship with or, like, feel comfortable around, like, Someone that's random, like, you don't even know my personal life like that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, I'm, no, I was curious about that too, Mads. I was literally going to ask the same thing because Kathy and I were talking that, like, we, we've we run into that too. And Mads, just, yeah, when you're dating and you're getting to know somebody and it's like, yeah, how much you share. And, and I feel like we both kind of related to the same type of thing. But you said you had an ex that you pushed away. Have you had a... A relationship during the time you've been grieving and what was the support your partner gave if so um i did i did have a relationship uh so i was my dad passed away in 2015 um my ex and i like my, my ex of like seven years and i we ended things in like 2018 and then in, in 2019 i got into a relationship um uh, with an amazing girl she was she was great i just didn't work out between us but um we were we did have some some times where we were able to both kind of lean on each other because she she had um um she didn't lose her father uh or anything but she did have some some issues with her father where they they no longer speak anymore um so we both were able to kind of like lean on each other and, and talk about it and grieve uh but i will say uh, even in that relationship it was a little hard for me uh just because um I, and I, I say this, it's, it was hard for me and it's because of me. Uh, sometimes I just, I'd rather just go to the ocean and like, cause I love the water and I'll just like sit in the water and I like to just either think or like speak out loud and just talk directly to my dad. Like that's kind of like how I, I vent and I release because um, I'm 30 years old now. I lost my dad when I was 23 and like, I still to this day haven't been able to find a mentor that, that I trust as much as I trust my father. Um, and not going to say that there hasn't been people in my life that were like father figures to me. Like, I mean, Tommy, uh, Marshanda, one of that man helped me so much through, through, uh, through grieving and stuff. And still to this day, um, it's just the relationship I had with my dad was, um, he could look at me just like my mom can look at me and know if something's wrong. Um, all this, like, you know, cold face of like not showing emotions, like they would pick up on it and just, just know, you know, it's like, I'm their son. Um, and then also I knew that whatever they would tell me or whatever he would tell me was just cut and dry. Nothing was sugarcoated. He told it how it was. And, and that's, and that's what it was. And I believed him and I trusted him. Um, you know, and so, yeah, like, that's kind of why I, I feel like I still to this day will go and vent, um, I'll go to the ocean. Like, honestly, right after this, I'll probably, cause it's been hot as hell out, out here. I'll probably go drive down to the beach and just jump in the water and just like say what's up to my dad. and and feel him and then process everything that's going on. I, I haven't really, I haven't told him I got this job, so I got to go tell him that. So That's so cool. I love that as an avenue to stay connected with him and for you to process. And just, that makes a lot of sense. You want your alone time, you're in the ocean, you can connect with him. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I think that's very telling. And I think that does lean in more to the stereotype that you would rather kind of process your feelings more solo than even with someone you're dating. If you had to pick one person in your life who you confide about your grief the most, who would it be? I just will say, I know I have one sister and I feel like just by default, that ends up being the easiest person to talk to. You have multiple siblings. So I'm just curious what that dynamic is or if it's a non-family member. Yeah, that's <laughs> damn. That's like that. That question is amazing. Lots of incredible um, questions out there at us. Yeah, I was gonna say actually, we don't even know that about each other, and we have a podcast yeah. together and talk all the time. Oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, I'm trying to think of it, and like, uh, this is crazy, but uh, go ahead, Jay. Now the hot seat's on. Now, I, I, I can't really off the top of my head pinpoint one person. Um, I would have to say like probably my mom. Um, cause like, you know, that's my mom. Like she just, she knows me better. She knows me better than I know myself. It's kind of insane. Like she just really knows me. Um, so like sometimes I can find her, but then there are times where like, I don't want to confide in her. Cause like 
Like I always say, like she had a, a tougher loss than us. Like I lost my dad. She lost her husband, her husband, the love of her life and the father of her children, you know, like her best friend. Like, so, um, and then, then my, sometimes my siblings and then super weird, but, uh, my ex of like seven years, like I was able to, conf- after we broke up, it was kind of wild. I was able to kind of talk to her about it just cause she knew my father very, very well. My dad loved her to death. Um, so it was, it was kind of easier for me to, to talk to her because she, she knew where I was coming from. Um, yeah. So to this day, I would say that I just am getting better at talking to him and confining in him. And like, um, I'm, I'm a really spiritual type of person. My whole family is, uh, and you know, like Kathy knows for like three months, I was technically unemployed. Like sure. I have like my, my businesses and stuff that I make money from, but an actual like day-to-day job I didn't have. And I literally like would go to the ocean, go to the beach, go surfing and stuff and just sit there and chill and be like, all right, dad. So let me know if you got any connections with some jobs because I, I can use them. And, uh, you know, sure enough, sure enough, he's been delivering. And today I got offered a crazy opportunity with my family's shop uh, to expand and do something that, like, never thought we could do. And I'm like, holy shit, Dad, like, you really are you really are tapped in right now. So, um, but yeah. I love that. I have a, uh, Shane, I, it was before we started recording, I think we were talking about how I was, I've been trying to learn to surf and I'll do the same thing. I'll like paddle out. And sometimes I'll just like sit out there and like lay there and I'm like, okay, Papa, like, let's figure it out. Like, let's talk about it. And so I I do the same thing and it's kind of cool how healing that can be. Um, I feel like I'm grilling you, so I'm sorry, but you had said that you confided in your mom a lot. Do you think that she's been able to confide in you in the same way? Because one thing that we talk about a lot is like the relationship, like, yeah, I'm mourning Papa, but like my dad's mourning his dad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. My mom definitely confines in me. Um, once again, I'll say she's the strongest woman I've ever met in my life. Like, I, I tell everyone my mom's a savage. <laughs> like, she's a savage. Uh, but, yeah, there are definitely times where if she's confined in me and, like, like we have this this saying where, like, like I'll, we just say I love you more. Like, we don't say, like, I love you. We just say I love you more. Um, and, you know, we've had multiple conversations. We have phone calls. We've had, you know, just sit down conversations talking about dad she's telling me how she feels and everything like that like she always tells me i'm like i'm her i'm her little rock you know my dad was her big rock i'm her little rock um because i am now the man of the house uh and she whenever she needs anything i'm there for her and vice versa whenever i need anything she's there for me uh and uh yeah like i definitely definitely think my mom definitely used me to confine in um when she needs it uh, she has a boyfriend now, which I'm super, super, super happy for her about. Like, my whole family's happier. And this is crazy. Like, it's we always talk about this. We're like, I feel like my dad literally was like, went around the world, found somebody, picked him up. Was like, you will be the guy that will be dating my, my wife from now on. Because, you know, like, that was like one thing. Like, none of us ever, we didn't want to see my mom be by herself. And, like, the passion and the love that my parents shared, like, my dad was definitely one of those people who were like, hey, yeah, if I'm gone, you better find somebody and you better be practicing because the next time I see you, we're going to make sweet love. And I don't want you to, you know, be a couple years out of it. So, oh <laughs> and that's just the kind of love. <laughs> and it's the truth. Uh, <laughs> they were I will, up until the day he passed away. These two would be making out in the kitchen oh and we'd be like, y'all really got to do this. <laughs> Come on. But uh, yeah, so. <laughs> but uh that's how it is that's why like my brothers and sisters always get upset we're like wow we had the perfect most amazing definition of love and saw a perfect relationship that we're like thanks guys you guys set the bar like yeah. almost impossible for us but um yeah so it's uh yeah my mom definitely confines in me so I'm going to try to ask one more question and then be done grilling you I promise but now I'm curious you had said that you were living at home whenever you it had, the incident had happened with your dad and you also have said multiple times that you were the man of the house which is true did you do you when you moved out or if you moved out or however the situation happened did you find any kind of guilt in that and being like the man of the house and like leaving um yeah uh so i was 23 when my dad passed away he passed away in september my birthday's in november so i turned 24 at the time um my girlfriend was at um, the University of Arizona, and she graduated um, the spring of 2016, and so she ended up coming out here to to live with me. 
and I was living at my parents' house. She actually, she's a trooper. Um, talk about like true love right there. She, she stayed with us for a couple of months. And then finally she was like, Hey, I kind of want to move out. Like we should go get a place. And, um, I said yes, because like, like I loved her and I definitely wanted to move out. Definitely wanted to go get my own spot and stuff, but I did feel that guilt. Um, but also more so I felt, I felt the stress and the pressure because, um, I wasn't making a lot of money. Um, I had to help pay the bills on my parents' house. I also had to help, like, you know, uh, pay for my own place and stuff. And, um, I was very, very stressed out trying to figure it out, trying to, trying to juggle having a, a job working for my best friend's, um, father's candy company, which like, I love them. Shout out to custom kids and, um, and sour tooth, uh, without them, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had a job then. And, um, at the same time I was getting, I was getting introduced to my dad's cannabis business. And what I realized was like, I wasn't making enough money at the candy company. Uh, and I needed, I needed another source of income. So I really started focusing on my dad's cannabis industry and our cannabis business and, and decided to help expand it and grow it. And, uh, it was definitely a dark, dark time in my life. Uh, I won't go into the details, but was doing things. Like I said, I should have never been doing, um, kept it a secret from my family. They didn't ask any questions. I was just handing money, um, to make sure that we were good. And, um, and yeah, just trying to be there for my little brother who was going through a lot. My little sister was going through a lot. My my older sister who was having um, having her first daughter uh, and, you know, just trying to be there for everybody and also just trying to make true to that promise I, I kept with my dad to keep everyone tight. And I was I was spiraling. I was losing it. Um, I remember I used to go on like <clears throat> I used to go on runs all the time. I would like tell my girlfriend when we were living together, like, Hey, I'm going to just go on a run at night. And like, I would go on a run and I would just run as fast as I can. Cause I would be crying and I just didn't want to be crying anymore. And I just felt the stress. And I, I almost had like this built up resentment towards my dad going like, what the fuck? Like you did not prepare me for this. Like was never prepared for this. Um, but looking back, it sucks to say this, but I feel like it is true that losing my dad made me grow up a lot faster. Um, and I feel like if he was still here, I definitely would be a couple of years back in like maturity. Not to say I'm like the most mature person ever because I'm still a child at heart. I'm very much like my dad, like I'm a kid. Um, but when it comes to like having the ability to take care of a family um, and, and just be there for a family, like beyond just monetary value um, and, and give love uh, and time, um, it definitely made me mature. So. Um, I just want to say, I feel like we could go on for so long because there's like so many follow-up questions. Like I would love to ask. Yeah. Maybe we do a follow-up. I don't know. Um, I'm sure Shane would be down for that. Yeah, I'd be down. Yeah. Um, but again, I just want to kind of echo, thank you for being so open, vulnerable with like everything. And I know it can be hard to talk about all of this stuff and we're used to it. I mean, obviously you maybe have been a little bit used to it before yeah. too, but it's a super vulnerable topic. So super just thankful that you are here and sharing your perspective. And I just think it's really interesting to have a completely different experience showcase, like every single time, um, especially different from the three of us. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I want to echo that, um, Kathy. Shane, I was telling, we had a little bit of a break and I was telling Kelsey, I was like, I don't know if it's because like, are we just like, I feel like I, I can't, I don't even talk to my dad about his grief journey or about any of, like, we don't talk like this. And so just sit, having, being able to have this open conversation, we've all kind of joked around that I haven't met the other two of them in real life. And like, I, they know more about me than my sister does sometimes. So it's kind of funny. I'm like, it's easier to talk to a stranger, but from like, finances to like your resentment and guilt and regrets and all of the things just from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I have been like, you said you were like in all of the service for your, your father. And like, I've been in all of you tonight. So thank you. I'm like, I've been, I'm seriously like, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. It's like my favorite episode we've ever recorded. So thank you. And Kelsey, you can go ahead and close us out whenever. I'm done grilling Shane at this point. (laughs) No, thank you so much. I have a mini final question. I'm just curious. Have you ever for an hour sat and just talked about what happened to you like this before? No, honestly, no. This is the first time I actually spoke about it like uh, 
on a podcast to like, you know, to public, um, definitely sat down and talked, you know, to my friends and my family about it. Uh, usually we're passing around a joint or something. Um, but I, I think uh, I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud to be that man's son um, that I'm happy to to talk about him. And like um, I have a, a tattoo on my right here. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it says true value. And it was a saying that my dad used to always talk to us about. And it was, you know, what the true what is the true value of a man and how he defined it was the true value of a man. It's not the money he brings. It's not the flashy cars he has. It's not all, you know, like the facade he lives, but it's the morals and values that he lives on that he can pass down to others that still live on beyond his time. And uh, I truly believe that. And, you know, to be able to just continue to, to speak with my dad and to hear, like, you know, to hear stories about him and stuff. And, like, in the Mexican culture, like Dia de los Muertos, right? Like, as long as we still talk about him, he's still alive. And I, I truly believe that. And, you know, the fact that his his cannabis business is still running and still doing well and people still know, like, you know, him from that, um, it feels good. And like I said, like, I, I, I love that man with all my heart and I'm, I'm so happy to be his son. Amazing note to end on. I'll just say, too, that like I like I said in the beginning to you before we started, I'm still in the first just out of a first year and I'm still figuring out how to talk about it. So I just admire how you spoke about it and spoke about your feelings and being able to be like, yeah, I'm so proud to be his son. And this is how, and this is why. And you, you say it with such confidence and because like you said, you've been through it a few years and you're really comfortable with it. So I just want to say, I really admire it and said, it was just great to have another, you know, perspective and story and talk to a guy about it. You know, we're all, we've only talked to us ladies, but just thank you so much. We'll definitely, I think this has sparked something for all of us that we want to have, you know, I think definitely we can have you back to check in. I think we can have other male voices on the podcast because I think the juxtaposition is really interesting. And, you know, we always say with the three of us and why we started this podcast that it can be so hard to talk about. And I think there's even more societal pressure that makes it hard to talk about if you're a man. And so I think that's definitely worth tapping into. Um, But thank you all for listening. Definitely more to come. Make sure to subscribe and share this with a friend. Maybe. If you're, I can see the stats. There's a lot of ladies listening to this, which we love you all, but maybe you can use this podcast <laughs> to send it to one of your guy friends and make this a way to connect with one of your guy friends or boyfriends <laughs> or male relatives who've gone through something um, and follow us on all of our social accounts and everything. You guys know the drill. Thank you again, Shane and Kathy for bringing him on. Thank you guys. Yay. Yes, Appreciate of it. Course. Thank you so much. See you next time. 